Welcome to At Home with Kelly and Tiffany, where naturally-minded women gather together as we pursue simplicity and confidence in health alternatives so we can show up better in our busy lives and feel more at home in our bodies. Join your favorite home birth midwife duo for conversation, candor, and community. You're at home with Kelly and Tiffany. Yeah, you are. Get in here. Close the door. You're letting the flies in the house. You're you're at home with the door open <laughs> and we find it to be unacceptable. Your hospitality is unacceptable to me. You guys, what a wonderful episode we have coming up here. What a great way to start that wonderful episode by making you feel bad about yourself. Oh, that's what we do here. <laughs> Natural pain relief option. Give me some of that. Oh my gosh, this is needed. Yeah, it is. That's why we're doing it. It took us 108 episodes, <laughs> but we have finally listened to what women want. We do a good job sometimes. I think that I don't always identify my discomfort with pain. And I don't think really clearly of like, oh, yeah, I have this annoying thing always happening in my body that I would like to do something about. And so I hope we can give a little bit of options and perspective on handling it naturally for women who realize, yes, they too are in a space where they're slightly annoyed physically. Yeah. And that could be alleviated. And some of it is related specifically to being a woman. Part of it's specifically related to being a human too. Yeah, absolutely. So we will differentiate eh. later in the episode. But before we jump in, we've got a listener question. You guys know in the show notes, you can always find the link to asking us a question. Yeah, ask. Please. You go ahead and ask. It's up to us if we're going to answer it or not. We have a lot of good questions in there. It was crickets for a while. And then all of a sudden, wham, bam. Great. So at some point, we might have to do two an episode just to give the people what they want. Maybe we could do an episode that's just like a bunch of Q&A. Duh. Yeah. Ooh, look at you. My little podcast partner. I don't know. Sometimes. Okay, this is what this listener says. Could you talk about the expansion of the hips during pregnancy? I've got small hips and extremely tight pelvic floor, ballerina for 20 years and Marine Corps, and the pain with the extra pressure is extremely painful. I can't walk or stand on one leg without pain in my glute. Also, I have bruising on my tailbone. I'm 22 weeks pregnant and a CrossFitter. Oh, I'm sorry. That's hard. That is hard, but we have a lot of information to work with here. I have a lot of things to say. So in terms of talking about the expansion of the hips during pregnancy, there has not been a single situation where I have ever been like, the size of your hips is concerning to me. Right? Right. Of like a, of a pregnant woman in labor with all of the great hormones on board that are designed to help soften and open with a baby who is designed to navigate through as well. Absolutely. Birth is set up to work. Our mm -hmm. bodies are so wise. The hips at the beginning of pregnancy and the ligaments and all of the soft tissue is a hundred percent different than at the end of pregnancy where you've got hormones on board that are relaxing all of those ligaments, your bones actually move and separate. That's a part of what sometimes ends up causing dysfunction and pain for pregnant women is because 
the way that that is somewhat kind of coming unhinged. And so having small hips is not necessarily a risk factor in and of itself, even though there's a lot of discussion in birth culture right now about babies being too big to fit. Unfortunately, that's a discussion for a different day, but not a theory that we subscribe to. No, my personal like little flag goes up around pelvic floor stuff. though. Yep. Let's talk about that. So I think that there's this general idea. Oh, a tight pelvic floor. That's actually a good thing, right? You're going to hold your pee and you're not going to, you know, it's going to keep everything where it needs to be. But tight is different than strong, right? And tight is different than a connection that you're able to actually strengthen, loose, like relax all of those things. And so that would be a little bit more of the thing that I would encourage this particular listener and any of you out there to focus on would be body work and pelvic floor therapy in particular. Yeah, absolutely. And this is not our client, right? Mm -hmm. So this isn't medical advice. But if this was my client, I would say you have to stop working out. And that is the opposite of advice of what we normally give women, but especially being engaged in CrossFit with these symptoms going on, you absolutely can have a pelvic floor dysfunctioning issue that goes all the way into your birth if your pelvic floor is too tight and cannot release your baby from your pelvis. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say just stop moving your body all to, you know, there's different ways that you can still support your body, but and not saying that all CrossFit is bad, you know, we can't make a sweeping anything, but with this particular symptom picture, that would be a very straightforward first step, but attending some body work like chiropractic care, massage, but especially a really well-qualified pelvic floor therapist can work wonders for a million things. And I think most women assume that pelvic floor therapy is for after you're done having babies because you're like, that's when I can focus on it so that I don't keep peeing when I'm on the trampoline or when I laugh too hard or whatever. No, no, no. Even if it's your first pregnancy, it's never too early. Absolutely. And no matter what it is, if you believe that your pelvic floor is too tight or if you believe that it's too loose or you have no or maybe you're just afraid of what might happen at birth there are so many things that you can do and utilize with good pelvic floor therapy this would be a borderline requirement if this person was our client i would Uh say there's just almost nothing meaningful you can do until you go get evaluated by a pelvic floor therapist and your mind may your mind may be blown because I feel like people who work out especially are like, oh, I'm like really connected with my different muscles and with my body. It took me a long time to realize how to do like an accurate, real, like connected Kegel, like to actually do it correctly, right? And to really understand how to, you know, I'm doing them right now so that I can assess what I'm about to say, but like being able to engage those muscles well lift them well but also release them slowly well right and i think before i really knew that it was a lot of like butt clenching yeah that is probably one of the most common yeah things one of the one of the other most common mistakes with pelvic floor stuff which is honestly it is almost beyond what we can advise women on even though we have a lot of knowledge about pelvic floor is the difference between 
symptoms and structure that indicate that you don't have enough tone in your pelvic floor versus too much tone and going about that remit those remedies are just completely different and so Uh it is a worthwhile thing to find a specific person who is really good at walking you through yeah with your floor health with your particular anatomy because what works for a friend or someone on instagram or whatever is not necessarily what's going to be the right thing for you we did do an entire episode on pelvic floor health and so Mm -hmm. you guys can search search that up i don't have the number in front of me but go go run and listen to that friendly little run 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 while kegling kelly would you describe labor as painful well my own labors in general general? if someone said to you please just tell me i have to know is it gonna hurt yes i would describe it as a as a type of pain or discomfort but it's work it's like when your muscles are working so stinking hard and you're like i don't want to do this anymore this is so much right but then you let go of the weight or whatever and your body's like okay okay you know, you have to like pick them up again, but you're like, I'm still kind of shaky from that. That was really intense. Certainly some labor can feel even, you know, that times a hundred. And some people feel that much less, but it's just like a really hard, intense workout is what I liken it to. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Labor is a lot of work. And I feel like the, the opinion or the experience, the personal experience with is it painful or not? Did it, does it hurt or not? Really depends on your own tools for coping. For sure. And I mean, I've heard it asked of like, is sex good or not? And you're like, well, there's like a lot of things that go into if that was good sex or right? There's a lot of things that go into was that labor painful or a lot of little extenuating circumstances in your emotions and your safety and your all all of the things. Yeah. And so I think we can see some of those pieces almost thread into the conversation of pain and discomfort outside of pregnancy and labor too. So let's jump into that. There's four general types of pain that women have more than men. It's interesting. It is. Muscular and skeletal pain, Uh women report having more of. Abdominal pain, Women are three times more likely to have GI issues over men. I don't know if I knew that. I think men fart and poop and talk about all of that. And then they eat the things they're not supposed to that make them do all the farting and pooping. And so I think it appears. Mm. And then women are a little more buttoned up, not letting them rip in front of people, not eating tons of onions and complaining about it for the next 24 hours. And, you know, a little bit more private with their bathroom habits. So I think it I think it mm-hmm. seems like men potentially have more GI stuff, but it's actually women. That, I mean, that makes sense. I, w- I wonder why it is women. Like, why? Well, well I, I don't, don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, somebody tell us. Someone out there knows. Thank you. Why it is. And you can send us an email. The third type of pain that women have more than men is headache and neck pain. I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that hormonally and... Physically, just what we do and what we take on. and yep. Yeah. Oh, I mean, just think about carrying babies around. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. And then the fourth kind of pain that women have more than men is pelvic pain, of course. That yes. makes perfect sense uh-huh. between menstruation, birth, 
postpartum, mm-hmm. hormone-related issues like endometriosis, fibroids, etc., just sets us up to have more type more types of pelvic pain. What type of pain do men have more than us? Well, I don't know because this is an immense health podcast. I know. I'm just now that now I'm just getting in my brain about like well. And I feel like you guys have more pain because you talk about it more. They talk a lot about it. I would say testicular pain probably <laughs> would be more probably men. Probably more than us. Okay. <laughs> that's that's good enough for me. My husband's like, oh, man, I really crushed leg day. So my legs are really, my legs are really sore today. Oh, I could barely walk. I'm like, okay, you went to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Yep. Yeah. I did the same workout as my husband recently. Uh-huh. And for like two days, I heard about that particular workout. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. we worked out and we feel sore. Together. We're going about our lives. <laughs> yep. Okay. So tell me about the differences between like chronic and acute pain, because those are very different yes. experiences for women. For sure. So chronic meaning it is long lasting. You are long suffering with such pain. It is a rhythm almost that your body is in something that's been going on for a while, potentially will continue to keep going on for a while if it's not managed slash like root cause figured out. Acute is more like I woke up today and I had this terrible cramps because of my period coming or this headache came on this morning. And I have to deal with it. And it's gone after you deal with it. And so that can kind of direct us as we talk about what are the remedies for these types of pain? Because chronic pain is going to point to a much deeper issue that needs to be really sorted out and worked through. Acute pain is like, I need to get through today. And I really am avoiding, you know, taking a ton of Tylenol. Yes. And then internal versus external pain. Yeah. And inside. Great. Versus outside. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really comes down to like where where is that pain and where is it kind of, uh, where is it starting? Yeah, so like, you know, when your kids are like, my my back hurts. And you're like, okay, where on your back does it hurt? Is it this kind of pain or that kind? Of, is it on the inside or the outside? They don't know. It drives me insane. Yeah, so we can't help them, really. Nope. But... Those types of questions you can be asking yourself, like just get a little investi- investigatory, investigatory, in- investigatory word, probably investigatory. I can't think of another way that I would say that. So it's correct. Obviously. Do some investigation. There you go. And dial it down a little bit because the remedy that is appropriate is going to kind of depend on. Is it yes. throbbing or sharp? Is it is it towards the surface of the skin or in, you know, feeling deeper? Yeah, absolutely. And I think most people, when they are talking about pain relief, the first thing that pops into your head is some kind of over-the-counter thing, right? It's Tylenol, ibuprofen. And that is, generally speaking, if you were to Google your symptoms or ask your significant, you know, that would most likely be their first recommendation. And... Not that those things are bad. We're so thankful that we have pain medicine for when the pain medicine is actually needed. But there are a handful of issues with pain meds that can really wreak havoc on your whole system. Yep. This is the time to turn off the episode and go bury your head in the sand. 
if yeah. you don't want to know this because once you know it, you can't unknow it. It is unfortunate. Yeah, there's even just four days in a row of taking some kind of pain medicine, which is not uncommon for people who are in some kind of, you know, either have some kind of acute thing that just came on or potentially chronic or just trying to get by. Even taking just four days in a row can raise inflammatory markers in labs that you like lab work that you do to signify liver damage. There's liver and kidney toxicity issues and damage issues that can happen that quickly. Yeah. And like your healthy body is going to be able to recover from that once you discontinue it. But if you're taking ibuprofen, for example, or mitol for the duration of your period every single month, uh, that potentially is number one, masking an issue that's deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Than that we're, you know, maybe band-aiding a little bit. And number two, potentially harming your body. Yeah, for sure. So I've shared before, I had shoulder surgery a few years ago and I was really concerned because it hurt. I had two weeks of before, like of breaking my humerus before getting surgery. And it was two weeks of a lot of pain meds and muscle relaxers and all kinds of stuff. And then I went through surgery and had even more intense pain meds. And I needed those because otherwise I was like, I'm going to fall apart. This hurts so bad. But I knew, okay, the moment that I can start weaning off of this or adding in some extra things, I need to. But I, I was starting to get hives. Like I, I was definitely showing sign of some serious like damage that it was doing. I knew I wasn't going to continue on in it, but I could see just in those couple weeks how it was like kind of wreaking havoc on my system. Yeah. So one of the main issues that happens when we're taking acetaminophen or Tylenol, like just to be specific, there's other issues with ibuprofen and such, but the body's master antioxidant. So the thing that helps to remove free radicals that are just, you're being annihilated every single day with these things, right? Is glutathione. And acetaminophen depletes those levels. And so you essentially, while you're taking your over-the-counter pain medication, you don't have protection from cell damage of free radicals. And so you're, you kind of just like opened the window to letting toxins and free radicals into your body. And we know the implication of those things, right? Like they're precursors to inflammation, cause all kind of disruption in hormone regulation. There's a lot of evidence that it contributes to improper cell turnover for like the beginning of cancer and all that kind of stuff. So it is it is a worthwhile thing to keep your glutathione replenished. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is that there's some research that shows if you absolutely have to take something you can take glutathione supplement or also NAC, which is essentially just glutathione replacement mm -hmm. and stimulate your body to continue to engage as an antioxidant, even if you have to take something for pain. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that that particular thing didn't have. And obviously my what I shared was much more like intense sort of situation than just what happens often, which is just grabbing it because you're like, oh man, this week I have really bad headaches every day. I'm just going to take it every single day. But that NAC I learned about, you know, whatever, a couple years ago and have been able to implement that during times of, you know, like my husband had a, an appendix rupture 
and like working through that being like, yes, you need all of these things, but also we need to support your system in, in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And liver and kidney is not the only thing that takes a hit with these types of drugs. Increase of heart issues, GI issues and microbiome, immunity, overuse of these medications is linked to increased cancer and reproduction and endocrine issues. These over-the-counter pain medications are absolutely on the endocrine disruptor list. And so I think a lot of women don't take that into consideration because if you Google, is is Tylenol bad for me? The first 42 articles that come up are going to be like, in safe amounts, it is completely fine to, right? Johnson Um, & Johnson says (laughs) it is perfectly safe. They have decided. And this is not to like villainize these things. Of course, they are needed sometimes. But again, like with everything else, we're like, well, some informed consent in the situation would be helpful to realize that they're not just the quick Band-Aid, like without any side effect or issue that we kind of wish they were. I wish that it was just easy to take it and be like, this has no repercussions on me whatsoever. And I just feel much better now. Yeah, which is which should give us some information about some other habits in our lives as we evaluate this small piece to have the same flair and flavor of that. Can, can I? Tr- is it too good to be true? Uh-huh. Can I just take a pill and feel better? Yep, that would be nice. We got but, some questions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so we've led with the bad news once again. We love to bring you the bad news. <laughs> Gloomy and doom. <laughs> and that's all we have for today. See you next week. <laughs> let's 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 share some good news. What can women do in order to fight this type of pain? They could potentially give themselves a couple of tools in their tool belt before they reach for over-the-counter medications. What are some things that they can try? Thankfully, there are a ton and Thankfully, there are options that you absolutely should be trying before reaching for them and potentially making it a part of, you know, kind of the rhythm of your life. If you're somebody who like just kind of knows I trend towards headaches, I trend towards this particular thing. The first thing, and it always comes down to this, guys, the food that you're putting in your body. So what types of foods are you eating that potentially are more inflammatory and what kind of foods then would you want to take out and anti-inflammatory foods that you would want to bring into your diet. That's just kind of the crux of things, right? What you're putting inside your body matters so much and can help or hurt the situation. There are also lots of extra herbs and things like that that you can add into what you are cooking, eating, supplementing with. But omegas in particular are probably a pretty big one that if you are prone to something like this or need some support would be a great one. So eating fish high in omegas, of course, would be ideal. If you're not somebody who can get access to that or something, omegas in supplement can be great. Whole vegetables, animal fats, lots and lots of fat, helping your hormones talk to each other and helping your um, body recover. Turmeric, ginger. Ginger's a huge one. There's lots of studies about ginger being as effective as some of these over-the-counter pain meds, which is kind of mind-blowing. So those would be some top ones to be thinking about. Yeah, love it. And then for things that are happening more externally, I mean, we're fighting we're fighting pain and inflammation internally with foods and herbs. Externally, sometimes you just need to like smooth it out and 
ease, soothe. And what we like to use for that is Arnica. Great homeopathic. It is, it is one of the most used things in my natural medicine cabinet. And that can be internal, like putting it under your tongue, in your mouth, or it can be external in a gel or a cream. And you can utilize multiple routes of it at the same time. Homeopathic medicine, you can do a little bit of research on for yourself. It is extremely safe in all areas of, you know, from infancy through childhood, pregnancy, breastfeeding, all homeopathic remedies are extremely, extremely safe and they work. Yes, they dang do. They dang do. Another option as you're kind of assessing what do I have around already? What am I going to do? Um, especially just for, you know, the I, I enjoy this route because it just feels nice, right? Essential oils. So things like lavender, very like kind of softening, soothing, calming. Peppermint is a great one that it sounds like, oh my gosh, that's just going to be too zingy and like too exciting and stimulating. But it's actually really great for things like headaches, that kind of that kind of pain. Rosemary is another one that if you have either that in essential oil or herb as well, I guess, is a great one for relief. The aches and pains. Yeah. Some other things you can do to soothe muscles or soothe some kind of physical ailment is Epsom salt baths. Mm-hmm. So taking a hot soak in your bath and adding Epsom salt and your skin actually absorbs that and it's able to use it as like a lubricant inside your body also magnesium you guys have heard us talk about that till the cows come home topical sprays and lotions but also internal magnesium are the cows home yet well if you're leaving the door open <laughs> the flies like, are okay the flies yeah. are coming in the cows are probably home the cows are home great another kind of thing that i'm trying to get a little bit more into is just this idea of hot and cold so the idea of soothing some things and calming with some heat, but also trying to get rid of some of the inflammation with the cold and mixing the two can really stimulate your system to kind of wake up a little bit, get rid of whatever it is you're dealing with. And that can be something as easy as heating pads and some, you know, ice packs. Some people take it really intensely of like sauna and, you know, cold, cold plunge. plunge. Yeah. You don't need to necessarily do that intensity, but going back and forth between heat and cool can be really, really helpful to assess where the inflammation is, where the what needs soothing and what needs invigorating. Yeah. And depending on the type of pain that you're dealing with, do not underestimate the power of your own brain chemistry in it. And endorphins are absolutely meant to be released and cover discomfort. So if what you are dealing with, if you are able to exercise even for a short bit or even something really gentle like walking or short bouts of exercise in order to get your endorphins going, that is the same mechanism that is used and released in labor for women. And your body experiences pain and releases endorphins because of it. And labor is a very active process in the body. And so see how you can kind of mimic that activity in order to get your endorphins going. I think that is, it's kind of exciting to think about. Your body actually is trying, your body is doing the thing. It wants to help you along in it. 
Pretty cool. Things like red light therapy and sauna time. Those two things I love so much. And red light therapy in particular is really helpful. It can be certainly helpful for acute things, but chronic pain, red light therapy can be really, really helpful for. It really can help when things are stiff or tender, just kind of bringing cell regeneration to the area. And we, you know, you've heard us probably talk about sauna bagging before. We both have sauna bags that we use pretty consistently. And I find that my muscle recovery is better when I'm working out. I find that if I'm like, oh man, my back is hurting, whatever, getting into that almost feels like, oh my gosh, I'm getting like an entire heating pad on me. Yeah, it is, especially in the winter time, very soothing to jump in there and just be hot and enjoy being warm. It's kind of like getting in a bath, but not having to deal with bath. You know, sometimes those baths, they can be kind of pesky. Last on the list is body work. Being willing to let somebody work on the issue if it's physical, especially, or it could even just be tension headaches, tension in neck and shoulders and stuff like that, and utilizing a chiropractor, massage therapist, some other kind of body worker. I was reminded recently, there's places you can go that will stretch you. I went to one. Stop it. I did. When? Like maybe three months ago or something because I got targeted on Instagram because I was talking with my husband about potentially wanting to get back into physical therapy for longer for my shoulder. And then Instagram was like, I know something else that you can do. So I went to, I got like this good deal and went to a stretch place. It was not what I needed for my particular issue, but it felt good. You liked it? I was like, I'm not going to sign up because I don't actually, this is not what I'm looking for, but it was amazing. Oh, that's fun. I could see she was saying because I was asking her, we have somebody in our family who has Parkinson's and I was like, oh, this might be really good to like loosen up some of like the muscle things that are going on. And she was like, you have no idea how many people are in chronic pain who come in. And this is like just part of their rhythm of getting through life is just having like somebody else do it because you can get into positions that you can't get into otherwise. Yeah, I love that idea. I can't believe I didn't tell you that. Oh, you you're that's so snaky. Mm, that's me. I'm gonna I'm gonna go try it. And then people who are dealing with chronic pain should always, always, always consider acupuncture. Don't sleep on acupuncture. It can it can absolutely be I, again, we had a we had a really good episode about what exactly acupuncture is and how exactly it works, and I couldn't tell you exactly. But just because I don't fully understand it doesn't mean that it isn't a godsend. Yeah. And you head to the show notes because I will link that one. That that one we did with a friend of ours who's an acupuncturist who just provided a perspective on that modality that gave me such an added appreciation for it, but also just kind of like dispelled some myths about getting, you know, jabbed with needles. Yep, for sure. I will say, too, we I was reminded when a client had carpal tunnel stuff going on of how helpful acupuncture really is for that in particular too and so just kind of reminded of all of these pieces of there are there are other options than just jumping straight to the pain meds or just accepting like life is going to be terrible yeah and i mean everyone has to kind of decide where they're at on the spectrum of do i deal with this or do i dial it in more but what are some indications that women maybe should not be trying to treat this at home but they should go get go get their pain checked out i mean 
I don't want to underestimate the the power of your own intuition of like, this is really not right. I know plenty of people who have discovered some more serious things because they're like, gosh, this isn't letting up. And this does not like it just doesn't. This isn't what my body does. I've never experienced this before. And I, I'm generally just concerned. Your pain is an indicator that is you know, physiologically designed to get our attention and help us to seek help, to get help for something. And so no matter what you believe that your own personal pain tolerance is, any type of pain in the body should get your attention for you to assess and pay attention to. And if you're trying and adding in some of these things and working on some of these remedies and really feeling like, gosh, I have all these things dialed in and it still kind of sucks, a good sign to be like, I'm probably should, you know, just get another opinion, get somebody else's eyes on this so that you're not missing anything in general, but also for just general quality of life, too. You don't, you don't have to just sit and keep going back to like, well, this Arnica is just not working. Well, let, OK, that's OK. That can be helpful in some ways to actually point you to maybe something else is needed. Truly. Well, we are not leaving our listeners empty handed. Per usual. We don't do that. We don't do that here. What if we do do that in one episode? What if we're like, well, that's all. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, that might happen one day. What if we run out of things to share? Is that possible? I don't. It, it could be. But I do think that the listeners will have, like, be very gracious because they're like, you usually leave me with something. I'm, I'm preparing them for future disappointment. Yes. So you grab up these resources now while they last, ladies. We're going to run out of ideas. We have the absolute coolest natural juice recipe that utilizes ginger. Like Kelly was saying, there is a lot of research that supports it works just as good, if not better, than ibuprofen specifically. The benefits of ibuprofen are matched against ginger. And we have a juice recipe you can use with your juicer at home to get that in your body. It, it has been an incredible thing to witness once we started getting this recipe into the hands of our own clients and having them be like, I've had migraines for the last like, week and this is like, I don't today. Or like I bruised a rib or I whatever, like so many different types of like inflammatory pain that this juice has covered. We had some clients with COVID who were like, oh man, like the body aches and all that that go with it, that this really helped cut great for postpartum and like the discomforts that come along with after pains and just the inflammation of life postpartum and just runs the gamut. Yeah, this is a legit go-to. And so much so that I have hacked it recently because I never want to be caught not having these ingredients on hand. It's usually the ginger. Mm -hmm. The other stuff with the apple and the carrots and stuff, that's usually on hand. But ginger, I just don't always have an entire grip of ginger. So I have juiced it in bulk frozen it in ice cube trays and now it's just sitting in my freezer in a happy little stash so that I can always pull it out and add it to the rest of the juice recipe That's and have brilliant. instant inflammation and pain relief. So you guys can grab that. That is a free download in the show note. Anti-inflammatory juice recipe. Safe for pregnancy, breastfeeding, safe for kiddos. Whole family can enjoy it. There you go. That's what we're leaving you with. Natural remedies for 
Okay. Pain relief. Heck yes. If you take anything from it, take that recipe because it is a uh, bomb. And we will catch you next week. All right, guys. Bye.